How's it going, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome into another episode of Suncast. Happy Friday evening, everybody. Uh, I'm going to start off the episode, a uh, little weekend recap. No week, no interview uh, this week. We thought we were going to have uh, a couple scheduled. Uh, those kind of fell through, unfortunately. It's part of the biz. Stuff happens with timing, whatever. Um, but still a great episode. Um, business as usual. We're going to talk a little bit of a weekend, or excuse me, a midweek recap with soccer. And that will be uh, with me and Josh. And then we'll kick it over uh, to Manny to do, to do the midweek recap with volleyball. And of course, we're going to do a weekend preview for all of the sports. Uh, got a lot going on tennis. Uh, Tennis-wise, uh, ITA Championships going on this weekend so keep an eye on that on the sun conference website and old schools websites as well if you're interested uh in keeping up with some sun conference tennis but josh the 104 win the greatest offense in major league baseball is dead the atlanta braves were eliminated last night by the philadelphia phillies and it sucks. And we're going to, of course, talk about Sun Conference in just a second, but we about a loss. It of sucks. It sucks. It sucks. That's the only way you can put it. It's horrible. I mean, it, the fact that I I have a teammate who's the biggest Philadelphia fan, sports fan I have ever met. Yeah, makes it ten times worse. Yeah. Knowing that the first words that were spoken to me this morning were, "How about them Phillies?" And I was like, you know what? How about it? How about it? <sighs> it sucks. I mean, there's <laughs> not really. Because here's the thing for me also. You tell me a week ago that the game would be, or excuse me, the series would be four games and the run scored by the Phillies would be three, four, ten, three. I'd be like, yeah, it's over. I mean, we're into the CS. Surely the best base, the best offense in baseball won't become anemic and only score eight runs. Eight runs. Is that right? No, seven. What was it? Five, one, and one, two. One. Five, one, one. No, they scored two in the 10 run game. So it was eight or seven. Whoop de doo. Yeah, eight still. runs. Eight runs. I'm not an excuse guy. I think they're like buttholes. You know, y'all know that saying. But man, you look over the last two years, the new playoff format, it's killing the bigger teams. I say that and Houston took care of their uh, business, but I don't think it would have mattered against the twins. That not even a contest i mean you're a baseball guy and trust me everybody wanting to listen to some conversation we're, we're gonna get into it but this is, this is kind of my point let's talk a little let's transition this into this baseball and then we'll talk the rest of sun conference you got a team like that josh that is that offensive just clicking offensively i mean at no point that in the braves season this year did the offense just go ghosts like the way it did Having that time off, and I know they played some inter-squads, it's not the same. Having no. that kind of time off, can that just completely throw off a, a lineup? Because, I mean, I look at I look at the Orioles to some extent, but I look at the Braves and I look at the Dodgers. Tremendous, tremendous, tremendous lineups with the four best players in baseball this year, not named Shohei Otani. And I think it was something like Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts, Ronald Acuna, and Matt Olson were combined like six for 43. Again, I'm not an excuse guy, but I mean, does that is is that is that is that something that we should look at? It's not gonna change. I mean, Rob Manfred, I'm not going we're not even gonna get in get on him and all that. He's already said it's it's not changing. Everybody has their thoughts on him, and I feel like they're pretty similar. We're not gonna get on that, but but that having that time off, is that a big effect on the lineup? Yeah, because you got to think about it. Excuse me. Ugh. You got to think about it. Um, these teams are playing their through game 162, and they hop right into a wild card series with minimal time off. So, like, they didn't – their rhythm, their, you know, their momentum was never 
never affected. And then you throw in like a week or two weeks, like completely off, not seeing new arms, and then going straight into a series against a team who just played three games in like four days against live arms, new arms, and they get to just hop in and are ready to roll while, you know, I don't know. It's 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 tough. Like it's like with anything. If you you know take a little time off, it takes a minute to get a little rust off. You know when a team doesn't need that time to take the rust off, they got a little head start. And then you know if you're able to run with it, I guess that's kind of what the Phillies did. You know took a head start and ran with it and made you know made quick works of game one and changes everything. So you know, yeah. granted we did win game two, but if you really paid attention, not really shouldn't have won that game. No, got lucky. Got it should have been swept right off the series. It should have been embarrassing even more so. Yeah. It is what it is. Um, obviously not here to talk about that. I mean, we could go on a rant and whatever. Um, I mean, I uh I mean it's painful, man, but at the end of the day, yeah, Braves got a young team gonna bounce back. I mean, you know, hopefully learn from it, build on it. I mean It'll be interesting to see if Atlanta has a different approach next year. Um, you know, maybe there is a little bit different approach during the regular season. I do think the 162-game season has become pretty relevant now. I mean, just looking from the past two years, what we've gotten, especially out of the National League, I, I don't want to say completely irrelevant. Obviously, you don't want to be the Chicago Cubs and have to rely on what happens at the very, very end of the season, and then you get swept. But – What's the point of winning a hundred plus games when all it's going to do is hurt you in the playoffs? Make a wild card and go from there. But whatever, we're not here to talk about that. Let's talk a little bit about the midweek action because there are definitely uh, some storylines. Stick around uh, to talk. Definitely stick around uh, for us to talk some Sun Conference volleyball. There's there's a couple of pretty crazy games uh, that went on, especially Ave Maria Warner. But uh, a great game uh, yesterday on Thursday. Kaiser Seahawks, we've been saying it all year, saying it all year. They're going to get right. They're going to bounce back. And they got a huge point yesterday against the SCAD Bees. The first time SCAD has not had a win this entire year. So their 12 game um, win streak is broken, but the, they're still technically undefeated. They're still 12 0 1, a 1 1 game. I was able to watch that game. I wouldn't say this Kaiser was the better team. Kaiser was a better team in this game. Um, they they kept control of the match for the most most part. No doubt, at least for the first 60, 70 minutes or so, were able to put the pressure on SCAD for the majority of the time. But credit to SCAD. Didn't give up. Um, ended up with eight, about seven minutes left. Uh, Mia Nelson uh, would score on an assist from an S. Summer. Uh, 52-minute mark was uh, Amelia Nilsson. Uh, Nilsson uh, for Kaiser has really emerged um, is where kind of, if you want to cut it in half, cut the season in half, and you, you want to look towards the back half, especially for the Sun Conference, that's going to be my player to watch. Uh, Nielsen has done really well, um, and it came from Georgia Little on the assist. I've said it time and time again on this podcast, Georgia Little it is the best wing player not just fullback, but as far as a player on the wing, there's not a better player maybe in the NAI than Georgia Little. Uh, she was the one on the assist, a great cross. Uh, Nilsson was able to bury it in the, the back of the net. Uh, just some quick stats. Kaiser out outshot SCAD 23-5. to five. Uh, The big di difference, though, uh, when you look a little more on that, only five of those shots were on target. Um, everything else was, was pretty much – uh, even it was a really clean match. It's great soccer um, all around. No cards, no uh, only one all, all sides according uh, to the book. I really can't even remember that one. Maybe I wasn't quite paying attention then. But it was a great game um, for SCAD. I think anytime you go down any team, you go down to Kaiser and you get a point. Uh, you can't be disappointed with that. That result showed great resiliency getting getting the point, but. You know, we kind of talked about it the, the other day with Kaiser when they beat Weber 5-0. And remember, the first time they played, it was a 3-2 game. So it looks like Kaiser definitely starting to figure it out. We talked about 
Matt Dunn, uh, you know, one of the more experienced coaches in the country, and a great, uh, a great, great point for them. You got to think them, him, and that coaching staff got them moving in the right direction. Uh, also, sticking in women's soccer in the midweek, a big three points picked up by the Weber International University Warriors. They get the the Crooked Lake Cup, sweeping the uh, season series uh, from uh, Warner. Uh, Abby LaRocca, a pair pair of goals for her. And another great performance in net from Cam Lane, another eight saves for her. Uh, she continues to stay right up there. She'll be 100% uh, in consideration uh, for, you know, a first or second team all-conference. Um, you know, I, you know, if we do that, I'm, I'm going to give you my goalkeeper of the year here in a little bit. So don't w- want to spoil that again. We are doing mid, we're kind of doing our mid season awards this episode. I forgot to lead, lead with that. We are doing um, that. We're going to just, uh, for me, I'll, I'll, I'll do um, uh, uh, defender of the year. Um, not, I thought about attacker of the year or MVP. I'm just going to give you um, a defender, a midfielder, um, an attacker of the year and a goalkeeper. Um, the attacker is going to kind of be mixing with the MVP. So we'll do one of each. I think it's pretty 50, 50, but no spoilers there, uh, for women's men's uh, a little bit different, but, uh, sticking with, uh, women's soccer, another big win from South Southeastern, a team win, uh, Carnes Lopez and Davidson score for the fire. Uh, they just took control of that one immediately scoring within the first minute of, of the match and then two quick ones out of halftime coach Roberts continues to do an excellent job uh, coaching that side. Uh, St. Thomas put plenty of pressure on the fire Uh, tally 26 um, shots, 17 of them on net 16 saves for Owen in net. Um, I hand up did not watch that game. So 16 saves is kind of crazy. I'm not sure if any of those were kind of like through ball goalkeeper picks it up. I know when I play goalkeeper, I count that as a save myself. So, so um, I, I definitely uh, get that and appreciate that. Um, but still, uh, Owen, another great goalkeeper in, in, in this conference, another great win for the fire, a top 20 win for them. Uh, sticking with women's soccer, Ave Maria uh, and another uh, shutout. For for them, two goals scored um, by Madeline Krause late to kind of put the put the final stamps on that one. But you know, we we continue to talk about young young players, young goalkeepers um, in in the conference. And Emma Schweltzer, uh, who's already uh, received national awards for Defender of the Year, uh, another great performance. Uh, for her, another shutout. Only played 75 minutes, did get, get a save, but the back line steps up again in a big way for the Jaw Reigns. Another shutout for them. And, hey, you have great defense. Anything can happen. Uh, moving on to men's soccer and, you know, maybe the game of the week for, <clears throat> excuse me, for the men's side, Weber gets the Cricket Lake Cup again. Uh, so great for uh, Weber soccer programs. Uh, they finished a regular season against a rival Warners 3-0-1 uh, combined between the men's and uh, the women. Uh, Ru- Mar- Ruben Marquez, again, from the spot. Uh, he's one of the better penalty uh, shot takers in, in the conference. He buries uh, another one. Gabe Shelton uh, could very well be up there for freshman of the year in the Sun Conference. He takes care uh, of another one, another goal for him. On the year, Weber three two. So I saw a lot outside of the Weber ones. It was kind of whatever happened in the women's game was opposite for the men's, and it happened again with St. Thomas and Southeastern four one win for the Bobcats. Uh, Guido Casabu, uh, uh, another uh, two goal performance for him. Uh, Benjamin Stein uh, finds one uh, along with Thomas uh, Prosecco. Uh, three saves for Franco and that. Hey, they're nine and zero in the conference, eleven zero and one. If anything happens with the top two teams in the nation, they're going to slide right up to number one, number two spot. Will the Bobcats? Um, if you're the Fire, I think if you're anybody in this conference right now, you're just trying to figure out a way to beat them. And I'm not really sure how, how that is. Um, let's see. Um, another another draw. Uh, this is a great draw for uh, Kaiser Ryan Holmes. 
uh, for SCAD. Another two goals for him. He is now at nine goals uh, on the year. Uh, he continues to be great. Uh, Gamble and Holtgen, who uh, I have re really stepped up around him as well. Uh, no, Gamble's been been there, but uh, some great, great stuff for them. Another two goal performance. But uh, after falling down two nil on the road, Kaiser, uh, no, another story program in the Sun Conference in the NAI. They step up, step back up in, in a big way, tie it with less than ten minutes left, uh, and get the point out of uh, Savannah. I guess technically South Carolina, where they play their games, but still. So another, uh, another thrilling game. Uh, one I was unfortunately not able to get my eyes on, but a great win for them. And we wrap up the midweek with Florida Memorial. Uh, Giovanni Lake scores twice for the Lions and a 4-0 win for them over Ave Maria. All right, let's move on to a little bit of a weekend preview. Josh, and we'll do our – we'll both give our kind of midseason – uh awards um let's see what do we say we we're going to do i know we're both doing a coach of the year uh you're doing offense um, i have offense defense special teams and coach of the year all right you got that i got coach of the year uh i'm gonna i'm gonna just do a goalie defender uh i'm a midfield i also do yeah I, I, i'll do i'll do a midfield i don't really not really exactly sure how i want to do midfielder but i'll do attacker and i'll do a most valuable player uh, of the year or that Josh, big weekend for football. Uh, let's go ahead and move into a preview for that. All righty. Um, four games once again. Um, starting off the week and a biggest game of the week, Flomo at St. Thomas. 12 o'clock kickoff. You got absolute firepower offense with the Lions, and you got smash mouth defense with the, with the Bobcats. So it's like you, this gives – you don't know what kind of game you're going to get here because it could go, you know, sometimes in these games you could see the team that has the tough defense, their offense can keep up, or the team with the good defense just completely shuts down that offense and takes over the game. So you're never, you're never really going to know how this thing is going to go. Um, FOMO, 58.3 points a game, and St. Thomas only allowing 21.8 points a game. So like, like I said, polar opposite, um, you know, kind of game plans here. So it's going to be really interesting. Um, this will be a massive win for Florida Memorial in terms of, you know, progress of their program, um, implications on the, the conference standings, puts them in the driver's seat in the conference standings for this year's postseason um, race. And this would definitely probably be the knockout punch for the Bobcats. Probably can't lose two this year. I don't know if that's going to work. No, um, that, that is, are you talking about as far as NAI playoffs? Yeah, I don't think that's going to work. Um, I don't think they're going to be able to win the conference with two losses either, so they wouldn't. Because that's, that's an auto bid, right? Yes, conference champ. And, that would, and uh, just the way things have shaped out as far as out-of-conference play for the Sun Conference, I don't – it'd be pretty difficult to see two teams uh, yeah, so, in there. You know, the St. Thomas is – I wouldn't say their season's on the line, but kind of postseason season's on the line here this week. And FLOMO, you know, this is kind of a – you know, a – uh, be able to indicator of, you know, the direction their program's headed. So um, I have a close one, 38-31 FLOMO. So that's my prediction. I'm going to do a little little upset in game one of the week. Um, we keep moving. Um, Kaiser at Warner, 6 p.m. Uh, Warner's averaging 34.3 points a game, but the non-conference games do pad this number a bit, a little inflated. Um, you know, I see J.D. Menzer having a big game. Um, Warner – Hasn't been able to stop, you know, anything the last two weeks. And having trouble stopping literally pass, run, anything. Um, so, you know, Bryce Beasley, Bryce Beasley has continued to impress, doing exactly what he needs to do, exactly what the, the game plan has been. He's been executing it, hasn't been turning the ball over. Um, I have Kaiser winning 45-3. Um, big game for, for Kaiser. Um um, next game we got here, uh, 7 o'clock kickoff, Thomas at Southeastern, another tough one for, for the Nighthawks. Um, this is, you know, Southeastern's got to approach this game, you know, to, for a way to get their offense going. They've been kind of struggling, been kind of like super dull on offense, just using their defense to to get by and, and some special teams play. But this is, you know, it could be a way to get their offense going, headed down the back stretch of the, the Sun Conference slate. Um, sorry about that. Um 
Tom, like I said, Thomas was another difficult uh, road game. And I can see St. Uh, sorry, I could see Southeastern defense pitching a shutout here, um, potentially, depending on, you know, how, how things go. Um, but I got uh, Southeastern 38, uh, Thomas 14. Um, in the last game of the day, Weber at Ave, my, my, one of, my second favorite game of the week, um, just because I think these both teams have a lot to prove um, this week. Definitely a, a program gut check for both for both teams, I feel like. Um, but one thing I do, I did notice, you know, Weber looks to have found their quarterback of the future. Um, Trent Grochen has been, you know, playing good ball, um, been a gamer. Um, so I think I think he he has a pretty good game this week against Aves. You know, Aves giving up some points, to say the least. Um, Ave Maria looking to bounce back after two very unsettling games after the the massive, massive, I guess you could say upset. Not doesn't look like that anymore. The Flomo and the struggle victory against Thomas. Um, you know, Weber's had a very strong defense so far. Young, but also experienced defense. Um, has been playing pretty good thus far. The offense just hasn't really been able to get it going, which is kind of what's been going on in Babson Park. But very strong defense. And Ave's defense gave up 72 to Florida Memorial. Is this concerning? I, I kind of think so. But in the grand scheme of things, Flomo has been putting points on everybody. So it's a little – 72 is a lot, but they are scoring a lot against everybody. So this could be a way for Weber to, you know, kind of get that offense rolling a little bit. Ave a little vulnerable on defense. And, you know, Weber's defense is strong, could shut down the Jireen. So I, I have the Warriors 31-21. Power me up. Um, would you like me to um, do my awards? Um, either you can do them or I can go ahead and do mine, whatever whatever you want to do. do I'll just do mine since I'm, we're still on football. Yeah, go ahead. Um, my offensive player of the year so far, um, Brian Stumke from Ave Maria. Um, he leads the conference in all-purpose yards, which is, you know, rushing, receiving, and return yards. Um, Jaden Messenger and Rontavious Armour were the other two that, you know, that I thought could be deserving. But Brian Stemke has put that Abe team on his shoulders, and he's kind of been doing it all. So I thought he was very deserving of the half, you know, midseason offensive player of the year. Um, and moving on, defensive player of the mid-year, I guess, unanimously Jalen Willis from Kaiser. Leading, leading the conference in total tackles by a landslide, um, kind of just doing it all for Kaiser. There was, there's no one else even, even going to sniff him for this. So shout out Jalen. Um, my special teams player of the year, uh, Matthew DeSisto from Kaiser. Um, I had his stats right here. I thought they were pretty impressive. Um, 19 attempts for 780 yards with a 41 average. This is no touchbacks. Four for uh, four fair catches. Eight inside the twenty and four fifty-plus yard kicks with a sixty-yard with as his long. Um, you know, Kaiser's definitely had to use a little bit of that special teams. You know, flip fields. They've been using that that defense as well in, in the ground game. So you know, I thought Matthew um, has been doing very well so far, yeah. um, giving him special teams midseason player of the year. And last but not least, this one's probably pretty obvious to most. Um, midseason coach of the year, Bobby Rome from Florida Memorial. That's correct, right? That's the correct name? Yeah, I believe so. Okay. Yeah, so Bobby Rome has done an incredible job in Miami Gardens with them Lions, starting off with a three-and-two start, two of those wins being in the Sun Conference, heading into probably the biggest game of, of his short career in, at Florida Memorial this weekend. I like it. I like it. Um, let's see. Do I want to do my – Oh, I'm almost messed that up. Yeah, let's uh, let's go ahead and take a look at the weekend uh, for uh, Sun Conference soccer before we go go into um, before we we go go into the midseason awards. Um, you know, at this point, y'all know the teams. Not really a whole lot uh, to look at breakdown and um, everything. So, well, I'll just kind of give you my score predictions. Um, Scad against Ave. Maria this this weekend. Uh, look, Ave Maria's we've we just talked about their back line, a great goalkeeper, but I do think Scad's going to be very hungry after um, you know their first nine three points of, of the year against Kaiser. I think they they come out and they'll take care of business against Ave Maria three nil. Uh, we'll uh, we'll stick with that uh, with. 
Kaiser Flower Memorial on women's soccer. Uh, we talked a lot about how, how well Flower Memorial has been doing, but like I said, I think Kaiser has really turned that that corner. Uh, they're back to being uh, you know, one of the better teams, not only in the conference, in the country. I, they're, I think they'll get a nice win and, and shoot back up in the – uh nai polls i'm gonna say they're gonna get a 4-1 win over the lions uh southeastern they are playing great soccer man i tell you this is going to be an electric race uh all the way down between scad kaiser and southeastern obviously uh scad's got a good advantage but again it's going to be very fun in women's soccer uh in the postseason uh warner um you know one of those teams where if you just if we break it down kind of quarterly, that first quarter of the season, man, they look like they could battle to be uh, fourth, maybe even third best team in, in the conference. Uh, since then, things have not gone too well for them. I uh, don't really see it uh, correcting itself against Southeastern with how well they've played, especially um, you know we're doing the quarters. That's the second uh, quarter of the season. I think uh, another four-one win for South. Eastern uh, St. Thomas travels up to Babson Park to play Weber for the second time this year. Um, you know, just from watching this, that St. Thomas Weber game, I think that is a big mismatch problem uh, with St. Thomas and Weber. No disrespect to my Warriors. Of course, they've been playing some great soccer, but St. Thomas, they're big, they're physical, they're, they're fast. Um, they, they won, uh, all, they won a lot, lot of 50, 50 balls able to move, players off of the ball, and I think it will translate into another win. I think it will be closer than last time, but I'm going to go 3-1 St. Thomas. Moving on to men's, um, SCAD, uh, you know, obviously anytime you're up 2-0 at halftime against a top-20 team, you really want to get that win. Um, it, it happened against Kaiser in midweek. I think they bounce back, get a good win over Ave Maria, come out uh, fast and hungry, 3-1 to the Bs. In uh, a really good matchup. Kaiser against Florida Memorial. Florida Memorial, a good midweek win. Uh, they, they've won a couple in a row. I do think that winning streak does come to an end. Um, yeah, I think Jack Casey's been playing uh, phenomenal uh, in, for, for Kaiser. Um, obviously, Chavez ha has been great as well. I think Kaiser, 3-2 winners. It'll be a great game. Another great game is going to be Southeastern and Warner. That one produced maybe game of the year. Uh, so far with the men's soccer side of things in the Sun Conference. And then we'll have another one pretty similar. I think Southeastern will take three points, 2-1 win. And then St. Thomas will continue to St. Thomas um, against Weber. They had, they I think they get their 10th win. I think they pretty much will uh, really put a death grip on being the number one overall seed at, uh, with a 2-1 win over Weber in Miami Gardens. Um, oh. Sorry, uh, that was my – well, I guess that's kind of a spoiler for who I think the goalkeeper of the year is going to be. But uh, Franco uh, Acerbi for St. Thomas, look, he's leading in pretty much every statistical category um, other than, I guess, overall saves, but save percentage shutouts. Um, again, again, credit to that, to that back line. I think he's going to be your goalkeeper of the year in the Sun Conference. Uh guy I just mentioned will be defender of the year. For, for the men's side, I think Jack Casey will be your your men's player uh, men's player of the year. He's been phenomenal. Uh, we're going to talk uh, a little bit here in a minute, kind of the similarities between him and who I think the women's defender uh, of the year is. But they're both so dynamic. Um, don't want to give a full full on spoiler, but he, he does well. He's able to get get into the attack uh, along with stay, staying back well. Um, I think I think he's he's been the best defender so far this year. I believe he's leading uh, in assists. He's uh, yeah, he's tied for first um, in assists along with Cade Williams and Ave Maria. He has five assists on the year. Uh, and he's a great defender. So Jack Casey would be my defender uh, of of the year uh, for my midfielder. Um, it's the best spot taker, uh, the best free kick taker uh, in the in the conference and. Um, that guy we talked talked about uh, over the last couple of years, um, Guido uh, Casabello for St. Thomas. Uh, he's been phenomenal again in the midfield, able to control it well. Uh, where the Bobcats a huge reason why they're one of the best teams in the country. Um, this could me. This could be me 
This was the toughest one. Um, you know, going for an attacker of the year, it really came down to Adio Chavez from Kaiser and Ryan Holmes for SCAD. But man, you talk about just taking a team and putting it on, on your back to some extent this year. Ryan Holmes uh, has been phenomenal. Number one um, in goals in, in the Sun Conference. He's been great uh, this year. He, he's leading in shots, shots on goal as well. He's leading in points um, with a couple of, of assists as well. I think Ryan Holmes is your attacker of the year. And I'll flip it and I'll go um, out here Chavez. I think he could very well be your player of the year in the conference, especially for how he's played in conference play um moving on for women's for the women's side um this was a tough one goalkeeper was tough but you gotta go uh with caitlin uh balsager uh for what she's done obviously Is isabella uh panerata michaela owen emma schweitzler even cameron lane all could be very well said for uh goalkeeper of the year and obviously would be deserving but um, Caitlin, she has the best save percentage. She has the most shutouts by a pretty good margin with seven, um, seven on the year. Uh, Kaiser, uh, they have the, the least amount of goals per game average. She's been a big reason for that. She's had multiple, uh, double digit saves, multiple Sun Conference Defender of the Year awards and, uh, an NAI award. I think she's your, uh, goalkeeper of the year. Um, one of the easier ones for me is defender of the year. Um, and it's someone we've talked about at, at, at nauseum and kind of similar to what we said with Jack Casey for Kaiser. It's been the same with Georgia little uh, for the Seahawks. She's been phenomenal. The assist leader in, in the conference, um, you know, how hard she works and her ability uh, to just fly up the right wing for uh, Matt Dunn and, and Kaiser. I think this will be a, a no brainer as far as, you know, if you're just looking at defender, of the year uh midfielder of the year it's, it's got to be uh burgling about his daughter um gee, she's been phenomenal controlling that that midfield for the bees very similar uh to how kiki did last year for um kaiser a little bit of that unsung hero to, to an extent kind of role but i think burgling's just done a phenomenal job being that just that kind of that outlet for the the insane front three uh, attack for SCAD, and I think she she's your midfielder um, of the year. Uh, as far as attacker of the year, um, there is no doubt, and you attacker of the year, MVP or MVP or whatever you want to say, player of the year, whatever. It's Sydney Chura. It, it is Sydney Chura, ten goals, six assists on the year. She's I mean only Georgia Little. Uh, the assist queen herself right now is is ahead of Sydney with assist with eight, like we said. But Sydney has six assists um, along with with ten goals. I mean, the only uh, the, the only other people you could you could maybe consider would be Abigail Sadal, maybe uh, Oldney uh, Helga's daughter from Warner for excuse me as an attacker of the year. Um, you could also uh, throw throw in Claudia Rodriguez as well maybe nari lopez but at the end of the day it's got to be signature attacker of the year and uh and player of the year in the conference um i'd say a close second though as far as attacker of the year would be uh abigail Sadal. but and i mean abigail could very well pass her in goals i mean she has nine only one less than sydney but chura she's been different this year she's the attacker of the year and your player of the year as we stand it's four um coaches are for coach of the year, um, we talked a little bit um, about it last last time. Uh, you know, with, with Coach Young for uh, for uh, Florida Memorial, but it, it's Rebecca Gunn. I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, with what she's done so far this year, um, still plenty to be said. Uh, or I don't really know if there's plenty to be said. I think at this point, as long as Scad just continues to keep pace, I don't. I think it'll be tough not to pick her. Um, yeah, I, I do think. Um, you, you could certainly look look at what um Coach Roberts has done. I think he's had some really really good um moments this year as far as far as formation wise and everything. But um, pr pretty sell on that. Um, I think I think another one uh, maybe a little underrated. We haven't talked about that, but what Michelle Smith has done with St. Thomas, making that a top twenty five program, certainly uh. Could could be in consideration. 
but I think it's, it's, it does have to be Rebecca Gunn. And then for the men's, to stay, stay in Florida Memorial, simple. I mean, sorry, not Florida Memorial. Stay with St. Thomas. It's Coach Felix. Coach Felix is your, is your coach of the year uh, for what, what he's done. Pretty plain, simple, cut and dry. Um, they haven't lost a game. They're kind of the same thing with, with SCAD. You haven't lost a game yet. doesn't look like um, they're going, going to lose one. I think an interesting debate that's kind of popped in my head is who will lose first, Kaiser or St. Thomas in the conference? Um, top of my head, I'd probably say SCAD just because there are still teams that could beat them. Like, you tell me St. Thomas. I don't know. Did they play St. Thomas again? Are they played twice? I don't know. But Southeastern, um, I know they have to travel tra uh, travel uh, to play Southeastern again. So that's definitely um, one. Right. Let me double check that. Let me pull up SCAD's schedule. I don't want to be completely off on this. It's great podcasting. Josh, you excited for today? While I'm, while I'm doing this, let's stall. You excited for today? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're Tell the people what we got going on. What? Tell the people what we got going on while I'm pulling this up. Whoever baseball first fall scrimmage today. Yes, sir. Pull State College. All right, nigga. I'm going to try to get out there, uh, watch a couple innings um, of that. Yeah. Okay, so I was right. They still have they still have St. Thomas at home um, and then Southeastern on the road to close out their, their season on October 28th. So, yeah, still definitely a couple for SCAD to trip up on um, to our kind of – we're getting that final bit, final couple of weeks of Sun Conference action. But, um, gosh, I am – Oh, I wish I could go to that SCAD Southeastern game. That's going to be an electric one. I will be playing the football when that happens. But any more points before we kick it over to myself and Manny? No, oh, sir. All right. Well, the Braves will not be playing, so no go, Braves. Um, that sucks. Go Rangers. Go, Rangers. go Rangers. Yeah. Go Rangers. Yeah. Rangers right. D-backs. Rangers D-backs. All Southwest. Let's go, D-backs. <laughs> All right, I'll kick it over now to myself and Mr. Manny Burroughs. All right, now we have on Manny Burroughs do a little midweek recap, uh, weekend preview, and just like uh, Josh and I did, Manny's going to give you his kind of midway point, maybe a little bit over midway point, um, but – We've gotten to about that time of the year in the conference play to give midseason awards. Manny's going to give his for volleyballs at, at the end of the episode. But, Manny, how we doing, Bubba? Doing good, man. How you doing yourself? Man, good, good, good. Getting ready to head on down to Ave Maria tomorrow, play a little foosball. But I guess that's also where we're going to be starting talking with volleyball because I believe we've had the game of the year for the second year of the row. Uh, Ave Maria involved in that. Obviously, last year was that epic game that they played against uh, your St. Thomas Bobcats. But this year it was them against Warner. And, I mean, you can't ask for a better volleyball match than what those, those two teams uh, put on Wednesday night. I mean, you really can't. I think the best way to sum, sum it up was fought off set point because that is what both teams did the entire night, I felt like. No matter who got to 24 first, it was not done. A lot of these sets going past the 25-point mark. And I said it on the broadcast in the preview of the of Wednesday's matchups. That game was very, very important because it was going to have a lot of implications when it came to the standings. Now, Weber and Florida Monroe did not play. Obviously, that game got postponed. But it still meant that Ave needed to have a little bit of cushion. The cushion is still not there yet because, like I said, Weber and Florida have to play their game. But the Gyrenes did prove a lot to me, able to go and handle business, even though the Warner Royals, they are going to, even though they don't they're not in the playoff picture right now, they still have a chance, and I don't think that they are going to go quietly into the night, to say the least. They put on one heck of a display. Game of the year, I think, really is the best way to put it. I mean, we have a situation where both teams, the defense was great, the offense was great. It really just came down to a few little errors from the, from the Royals, I feel like, that really cost them down the stretch. But other than that, I think it was a good showing for the Gyrenes to be able to kind of right the ship a little bit in a sense of they had dropped some games that maybe you or they weren't playing maybe their best volleyball that you would hope now wrapping up that first round of conference play but for them to get this really important win get back to 500 volleyball and could 
kind of solid, not solidified, but kind of, like I said, put a little bit of cushion between them and Weber for now, at least, even though the Warriors are going to continue to put that pressure. I think it's as big for the Gyrenes. Yeah, it sucked we didn't get to see that Weber-Flower Memorial match. Now we were really interested in seeing that recap after Weber swept them. Uh, it's a little issues with, uh, I believe, the air conditioning, and then it ended up uh, causing uh, wet spots all over the floor. Obviously, uh, a good decision from Florida Memorial to postpone that match. Last thing you'd want to see is, I mean, someone to tear something, get injured in any kind of way. Um, you know, we can kind of briefly go through – uh, Kaiser, um, they played four non-conference games, and I don't believe they lost a set in, in any of them th- this week. Uh, looks like they lost one to Florida College. That was the only one that that went for. The rest of them were sweeps. Um, right. It's just nothing more Seahawks doing Seahawk things. I do think it yep. was big for them to get back in, on a little bit of a winning streak here, especially going like I said, second round of conference play. You got gotta they gotta make some ground. It's gonna be an uphill battle, say the least. And the, and it sucks to say, but they're they do not control their destiny when it comes to trying to get up in the standings. They're gonna have to have a little bit of lady luck involved there with the Bobcats dropping some games and the fire dropping some games. But all the all the Seahawks can do right now, do what they've been doing, handle business, win the games you're supposed to win, play your best volleyball, and looks like the third seed might be theirs. Now that's not to say that the those teams behind them are not gonna be hunt, breathing down their necks trying to catch them. But the Seahawks, I do think they'll hold on to that third spot. It's just a matter of they can continue to play how they were playing before and how they seem to be playing now with these non conference games. Yeah, um, it, good for them. Uh, at the end of the day, this could be something um, with with Kaiser. Um, if they continue to do well, maybe uh, with the out-of-conference resume, uh, especially if they can finish second in the conference and in the conference tournament, you know, potentially get themselves an at-large bid, uh, assuming – uh, they don't win win the conference. Um, I mean, it, let, let, let's call it how it is. I think the best chance for the Sun Conference to have two representatives uh, after conference tournament play is obviously we got to have a Southeastern or a Kaiser beat St. Thomas in, in the conference tournament. Because the way St. Thomas has – uh done they move up another spot in the rankings uh they're they're in um at at this point uh you i don't really see a route where they don't make it into uh opening round play at this point uh win or lose the sun conference but you never you never want to guarantee that because you don't know what will happen in the other 18 19 conferences uh in the nai because uh, you could have chaos all, all over the place, and next thing you know, you're out. But I do think uh, our best chance of having multiple is that that route. Um, and we talk about the other team that in the conference uh, that that's certainly right up there for a potential at at large. If you know, maybe maybe we have to, of course, see how things. So you know, another thing that that could happen, you could have all of your. Uh, favorites win and then it becomes a net large thing and then I think you look at Kaiser and Southeastern and who knows um, but one thing we do know for certain Southeastern does look like the second best team in this conference and they get another good win uh, over Coastal Georgia on Wednesday the biggest thing that I saw from this game and, and with the stats kind of I feel prove that Coastal Georgia I have seen they are one of the better teams I think when it comes to the defense they yeah. are able to keep rallies alive very, very long. Their ability to spread out on defense, get to those second balls, sometimes third balls, if they have to really get that extra effort, it's very, very good. But, and you can see it again here with the fire, their offense is where that that little difference between the matchup that I saw them against the Bobcats and this one here. The only set that they won, Coastal Georgia, was the only set that they out-hit the fire. The, the Mariners hit for 0.258 in that third set, and the Fire only hit for 0.103. I say only as if that's a that that's a bad thing, but the rest of the set they were all plus 200 or more for the Fire and under 0.45 for the Mariners. It's just not going to be feasible for Coastal Georgia to get these wins, rack up these wins if they cannot just 
be better on the offense. I think that's the best, just the best way to put it. You have to be more consistent when it comes to the offense. It can't be inconsistent. It can't be inconsistent. Meanwhile, the fire keep doing what they've been doing. Keep putting that pressure on the Bobcats for that number one spot. A day where you have 14 kills set number one, 16 and set number two. The one that they lost, they still had 11 kills and they wrap it up with a 17 kill performance as a team in that fourth set. You look at the box scores. I mean, Grace, Petty, 19 kills. Cambry Pope, 13. Tatiana Lyons, 11. Assist, Alexandra Pastuel, 46. Like, it's just one of those things where they have solidified themselves, we keep saying, as the second-best team in the conference. And now they have turned their attention in clear as day to the Bobcats. I want to see if the fire can play a little bit cleaner. This is what I mean. In that second set, even though the Mariners hit for 0.091, you would have thought it was a bigger gap of a win. It was only five points. Why? It's it, it, I doing my research. The fire committed three consecutive attack errors. Now you might say three attack errors. It didn't matter in the end. But I'm focusing, and I'm sure the fire also kind of keep an eye on if that's the Bobcats, if that's the Seahawks, that might be the game there because a five point difference with those two teams is not a lot. We've seen those two teams run off five like it's nothing, and next thing you know, you look at the scoreboard, and we're in a situation where the momentum's on the other team's side, and we got to try and scramble and, and get our things situated. So that's the only takeaway that I think the fire really need to focus on, playing clean, clean volleyball. Not to say they don't do it, because they obviously are doing that, or they wouldn't be with the record that they have now, mm-hmm. but these are the matchups where handle business early. That should have been a set where it shouldn't have gotten within five down the stretch there because the Mariners got a little bit of hot of streak and you see they got hot in the next set. So it was coming. That could have been a little bit of a different situation. So other than that, the fire did keep doing what they've been doing. I'm really having that circled matchup between them and the Bobcats in a, in a few weeks here. Yeah. It's a, a week from Saturday, uh, that, that big time matchup in Miami gardens, they do get the weekend off through the fire. Uh, to get, get to rest their legs. They did have another uh, game uh, against Trinity uh, College. I mean, no, no, no struggles there. I mean, 25, 11, or excuse me, 25, 4, 11, and 8 in, the, in those three sets. Uh, I mean, no, no troubles there as expected uh, for the fire. Um, th- this weekend, there are, are uh, some pretty good matchups. Um, yeah, start, starting off with a 10 a.m. and then three at 2 o'clock, one non-conference in there. Kaiser, takes on Warner at 10 o'clock. Manny, what's your prediction for that one? I got Kaiser. I got him in in a sweep. I think they can handle the Warrior, the Royals, excuse me. First, I, think, I want to say this is the first conference game on a Saturday at 10 a.m., so I'm kind of looking forward to that, even though I'll be getting ready for, for football here, finally, for St. Thomas. But I think Kaiser's going to be able to handle business and get a sweep there against the Royals. It's going to be a great football game Saturday. I mean, my – we we've been we've obviously talked talked about it uh, the last couple episodes about that matchup or jo- Josh has more but I mean Florida Memorial the best offense in the NAI I don't think many people had that one on their bingo card uh, at this point in the Sun Conference slate but when you say with Florida Mor- Memorial they take on a good uh, NAI opponent in Florida College in Temple Terrace um, not don't really have to go go in much a non conference game for them um, Manny you looking for anything uh, specific for them in this one. Things have been the biggest thing. Can they get their their players back? Can they, or can these players who have gotten a lot more reps now with certain players being out, can they take that step forward in their development and put a little bit more pressure? You know, getting ready. Florida Memorial, they're at the bottom of the conference, but because Coastal and Warner are not doing much better, technically they still have a chance, but they gotta somehow turn that corner real quick, real soon. I would say with Coastal, um, Ave Maria obviously coming off a very emotional. When they'll actually be playing tonight against Florida National, I believe. No, that's that's uh that's uh excuse me, that's Florida Memorial taking on Florida National. I do believe they have a non-conference game coming. Yeah, they play Florida College on Monday, so um, a little stretch of games here for both Florida Memorial and Ave Maria. But obviously, the important one, Ave Maria, traveling up to Brunswick. Uh, do you, do you smell an upset? In this one, or do you think Ave Maria can, uh, you know, continue on a low win streak here? I do feel this one goes five. I think this one's going to go five. And because it goes five and because they're at home, I'm giving it the Coastal Georgia. They've, again, they've performed very, very well these past two games. It's just that they've been running into teams that have been performing better. Ave Maria, even though they are performing a little bit better than they were kind of in the middle of that conference slate. They're coming off, like you said, an emotional win. 
how they will react is I'm very curious, something I'm very curious about. They are on the road. So there's a few little uh, factors here that could affect the Ave Maria Jirenes. I still think it's going to be a great game. I think it's going to be a great set, a bunch of sets. But I do think Coastal Georgia come out in five. And again, I'm going to be looking for their offense. If their offense hits at a just decent clip above a point 150, close to that point 200 on average, I think Coastal Georgia can get that win. Yeah, um, it'd be a good one. Um, you know, when you, especially when you look at uh, the conference standings, this one might have the biggest implications uh, between them all as far as home seating and being in the the Sun Conference tournament as we are kind of turning towards that part of the year. Uh, and then we finish off uh, the Mighty Bobcats, now the 23rd ranked team in the country, uh, against a now well-rested Weber International in Babson Park. Unfortunately, uh, gosh, I wish I could be a, be, a, be able to be. I wish that was a 10 o'clock game. If that was a 10 o'clock game, I may have been able to uh, catch a little bit of it. Uh, that one, I got the Bobcats. I think they – continue to be undefeated in the conference. I I might even I think I'm going to go with the sweep, even though the Warriors, like you said, they are well-rested. I don't think it's going to be an easy sweep. I do see some competitive sets for sure, but I do think the Bobcats come out on top. Fair. All right, Manny, let's hear it. Uh, right now, your preseason awards. Um, I guess we can start. Is, are there really any any that don't belong in Miami Gardens right now? I don't want to be that guy. I really don't want to be that guy because if I'm being honest here, I was a betting man and I'm looking at my odds. The odds of a complete St. Thomas sweep will, I don't think it's going to happen. I'm going to preface that before I say this, but it is a debate that you have to have because every single one of these awards, you can argue a Bobcat deserves it. I, I do could, think I, I'll say this and everybody that's listening already know I had the same thing when I went through SCAD women's soccer. I mean, I got, to, I got to it, ended up being three of the four positions went to SCAD, and I was like, do I like that? No. I had not not really – or th three of the five. I did a goalkeeper, defender, uh, midfielder, attacker, and a most valuable player. Um, the attacker there was the same with Sidney Chura, of course, but I was like, this just kind of is what it is. I mean, if you looked at – you look, if I went to last year, all four or at least three of the four would have gone to Kaiser women's soccer – this year, uh, it, that's just kind kind of how it is. Um, do you like it to be like that? Not necessarily. Or I should say four of the five, including a coach with Rebecca Gunn. But sometimes at this point of the year, that's just how it is. Not saying that it's going to end up that way, but kind of the way way it is. I get it. I do think there is one um that that I kind of would lean somewhere else outside of St. Thomas, but I'm interested to, to see see if we have one, one similar. I'm assuming that one's going to be setter of the year. Yeah. I do think that Hannah Heidi has the edge over both Peyton Berkey, who I think is the second one, just because she's having a great year as, uh, as a freshman, and Alexander Postlewit, who lately has really been putting up some great numbers. And I think those are the two others that are kind of putting that pressure on Heidi. What hurts Heidi is the fact that Kaiser is third behind those two setters, uh, teams being one and two. Yeah. But the flip side, when we look at the individuals, Heidi's just – has the better stats, the better games overall. And of course, she had that storyline that she is going to most likely get the all time record in sets, uh, in assists, I should say, for Kaiser in their program's history. So that's that's kind of what I feel like is giving her the edge. And again, she's a back to back setter of the, of the year. Some might say voter fatigue is a thing. I do believe it's a thing. But I think if you can, just because it's a thing doesn't mean you can't win it again. And I had this conversation with Coach Breno this past week on the Coach's Corner. We talked about, you know, season awards we talked about certain things and he said he had told the players if you want to win any of these awards no matter what it is from coach of the year to player of the year said all that stuff you have to be better than last year and to their credit that's why the bobcats are in in debate to sweep out the the awards which again we both know and we keep saying it, we don't think it's going to happen but that's why they're there because they are better than they were last year with that said i do think the setter of the year i think is going to be hannah heidi Fair, but I would say to that point, I think Hannah Heidi is better than what she's been the last two years. Exactly. So I think Hannah Heidi is going to have everything going for her. If she can, if her and the Seahawks have a better second round of the conference play, by that I mean, looking at all their games, the only one that really stands out to me is the Avi Maria loss. And I do think that says more about Avi than the, than the Seahawks. But I think if they would have finished the conference play with only two losses, we could be having a different conversation here. We could be like, okay, well, those two losses are the Bobcats and, and the fire. We understand that. 
they've kind of solidified themselves as the one and two, but individually, Hannah Heidi had very good performances. So that's where I'm going with setter of the year. And everything, everything else, where where are we sitting at? We'll start with coach of the year because that's the top of my list. Um, the storylines here again, STU better than they were last year. Coach Winnie Bato looking for another coach of the year award. I do think Audrey Goldberry is in contention for sure. I don't think there's a big gap because, again, the fire are breathing down the necks of the Bobcats. The Bobcats will never tell you that. Of course, I'm not going to tell you that. But I, we see how the fire are playing. And even though the matchup head-to-head the first time in Lakeland was a little Bobcat, Bobcat favored, doesn't mean that the fire did not play exceptional volleyball. does not mean that the second round could not be completely different. I think it comes down to, at the end of the day, the only way I see Coach Goldsberry winning this award over Coach Whitney if the fire only finished with losses to the Bobcats, because I could see the voters saying, okay, you handled business against everybody else in the conference. You solidified yourself as the number one, as a number two team in the conference. And you only lost to a team that's ranked top 25, probably could get an at large bid if they do not win the conference tournament. You know what? We're, we, we're going to give you this now. And it's not a, I don't want to make it seem like it's, it's a, it's a pity thing or something like that because it's not. They earned this. She will have earned this because, again, if you look at last year, they did not make the conference tournament. They lost to the to the Seahawks in or I believe it was the Seahawks in the second round. So for you to come back and respond the way you're responding is an impressive feat, and I think she will be rewarded for it. Again, that is the way so I see. So they didn't Coach, make the Coach conference Coach. tournament, or they didn't make uh, the, the, the conference finals. The conference finals. Okay. Losing in the semifinals. So I think that is going to help. Actually, will benefit her storyline. Other than that, I do think this is Coach Whitney's to lose. But if she does lose it to Coach Goldsberry, I don't think it'd be too much of a surprise. Yeah, I I think it's hard to not say Coach Whitney. Um, just and it, and it kind of boiled down to my, my debate I, I had both with men's and women's soccer. If you don't lose a conference game, I don't know how you're how you're you can't say you're Coach of the Year. But we look at Coach Goldsberry and, and the Southeastern Fire. Is there a more improved team in this conference? No. And are, are and are they doing it with a bunch of different players? No. It's a very similar group from last year, which speaks directly to coaching and, of course, the athletes as well for for improving. But at the end of the day, you got you got to look at the job Co- Coach Goldsberry has done and what she's built over there, and be like, yeah, I mean, it it, it is pretty uh, impressive. We'll go from. Setter of the year, where I think that's going to be Seahawk dominated with a Bobcat right behind to Libero of the year, which I think is going to be SCU dominated with a Seahawk right behind. I think Bianca Grassi goes for the three-peat. I do think she gets Libero of the year for the third straight year. Um, The only player I think in contention is Erica Magan at Kaiser University. I do see some, you know, looking at the stats, Bailey Berger over there at Weber. She's been doing a very good job. I think the uh, Libero for... Coastal Mariners, I'm blanking on the name right now. I'll get to that in a second. But I think those two definitely Perez. have a – say one more time. I uh, believe Perez. Um, no. Keep going, keep going. I'll double check. I do believe those two all have like an outside looking in with a very decent chance if they have a better second round of conference play. But I think Bianca Grassi is just everything – she checks off all the lists. She has the numbers. She has the wins. She is – as big a part of this team's success as the offensive side. Because, and again, I'm saying this completely unbiased. I have seen on my own two eyes. She keeps up some impressive, impressive kill attempts from these conference opponents. And it just, it's hard to not give it to her. She does everything you need. These digs that I am seeing Bianca put up with so much air under them, so much time for her setters to, no matter where they're on the court, get across the court, set their feet, set their hands, and place it perfectly for that strong attack. It just speaks volume. So I think this is Bianca's to lose. I think she goes three for three. And any other year, I think it's Erica's to lose. It just so happens that you have Bianca Grassi in the conference with you. Sure. We got freshman of the year and player of the year left. I'm going to go freshman of the year because I think this is the only award that a Bobcat will for sure win. I just think it's a matter of who has a better second round of the season. And it's funny because both of them kind of go hand in hand. Alexander Bruno and Peyton Berkey. Those are the two players that I think for first time freshmen to not only become rotation pieces, but 
focal points in a team that is top 25, top 23 in the conference or in the in the NAIA and is number one in the conference. And they're getting, like I said, they're both important parts of it. I like how Bruno's the second le- leading scorer on this team in that department, as well as kills behind only Amanda Andy, who we will get to in a minute. And Peyton Berkey is number one in assist and has honestly been getting better as the season progresses. I think it's one of theirs to lose. It's one, it's one of those two t- uh, players. There are, again, freshmen have been very, very good this season in the conference, but I think it comes down to either Bruno or Berkey. Final award, player of the year. This is the only award that I really think it's a toss-up because each one of these players that I'm about to name have a different type of uh, have a different version of the storyline to win. Allende here in St. Thomas, I think, is the front runner because she was amazing last year, a first team conference member. She has only gotten better. She is leading this team when it comes to the offense. I think the fact that she has improved after having such a spectacular season last year is giving her that edge. Brooklyn Slater is the side of the statistics. Look at the numbers. The numbers do not lie. And Brooklyn Slater is one of, again, one of what some are saying, and I'll be one of them, the best attackers in the NAIA. She has the numbers to back that up. Grace Petty is that quote-unquote dark horse that you may overlook because the Bobcats are having such a good season because Brooklyn Slater's stats are good. But don't sleep on Grace Petty now. She is leading the team for kills, for points. She is one of the most consistent ones on the fire when it comes to scoring. And again, a big reason that they are the second best team in the conference and have only lost to the Bobcats. I think those three, each of them a little bit different. So I understand some people say, well, numbers don't lie. We got to go with Brooklyn Slater or Allende is leading the best team in the conference as arguably the best player. Or you can even say, well, Grace Petty is doing all of this and she's still putting up the numbers too and the wins. So where do you, where you go with this? I understand if it's all kind of jumbled up. I go Allende because like you said, at the end of the day, I'm going to go with the team who is leading the conference hasn't lost a conference game. If they win out, I just think it's really hard not to give her that player of the year award that I think she has really been in contention for, for the past two years now. Yeah. I mean, you, you look at it head to head, it gets tough. It gets tough because when you really do a deep dive into the numbers, I do think it gets a little difficult to not say Brooklyn Slater. The only reason is throw away the, the, the numbers because look, we, we they have at the end of the day, Kaiser has about twice as many games played as anybody else. So just look at it from, from an average standpoint. When you do look at it from an average standpoint, she does have a slight edge. When you look at kills, you look at points, I mean, for both of them, it's pretty much the same. They're one and two. Then you look defensively, it's hard to to tell them apart, um, you know, as, as far as digs-wise or anything. You can't – there's really not much there to differentiate the two. However, I do think there is a little bit of that who is the best player on the best team. And I think that that's when you do have to have a fair discussion that says, hey, Amende, I think – I think um, – I think Brooklyn is great. I think statistically she, I mean, she's obviously going to be in, I think both of them are in contention uh, for all American awards. Um, same thing with, with, with Hannah Heidi. I think she's up there with, with uh, potentially getting uh, NAI honors again. Uh, I do. I, 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 this one's tough. I mean, I think when you look at a player of the year, it, it, it is very tough. I think that's really the only one where I'm like, you can really flip a coin and you can't be wrong if it's heads or tails. No, yeah, it definitely is the award. I think this year where you can have a healthy debate and all three parties will, or all two parties or however many parties there are in this conversation can walk away without being swayed. And none of them can be kind of mad at each other because, well, you all have good points. I don't hate the Grace Petty debate either. Um, I mean, she's been fantastic. I think it just when you look at a sheer numbers standpoint, um, I think those two kind of I don't want to say separate each other, but I think there's enough of a difference. It's like Grace Petty, you are the third best player in this conference, no doubt about it. But one and two right right now are playing all American level volleyball. 
Grace definitely gets a boost because of the team success that the Fire have gotten. Sure. Um, but like you said, at the end of the day, if Allende and Slater maybe weren't in the conference, it, it probably would, it would be Petty's in the next order. And that's not to say anything because being behind those two ladies is not a bad thing at all. Excuse me. Absolutely not, Manny. Um, any any final thoughts, closing thoughts on this weekend as we kind of get into this third quarter back half of conference play? What's your what's your biggest storyline you think right now? Well, in, in the Sun Conference, you got you got anything, or is it just, hey, we got a team in the top twenty five that could potentially make something shake? Is that really the biggest story at this point? So I think right now I would have two storylines kind of intertwined, but I would say the first storyline being that St. Thomas Southeastern matchup in, in a week's time, because that's one I do think the fire are, have learned from the first matchup earlier this year. And I think they're a better team now. With that being said, I think the Bobcats are a better team as well. So I think that matchup is going to tell a lot from both teams. And as we head into the tournament, my second one, which I think is more relevant in a way is the sheer fact of how close three through, again, because of the way Coastal and Warner are playing, Warner has a chance three through the rest of the conference. Because Kaiser right now is in third at four and three. Obvious is at four and four. Weber's at three and four. Coastal and Warner are both tied at two and six. And Florida Moore is at one and six. There is a possibility of so many things happening right now. Again, each game is, each team is pretty in their own little bracket. Kaiser, Avi, Weber have solidified themselves pretty much in that middle of the pack coastal warner and flow more kind of fighting for that final spot there so i'm looking at every game meaning something i don't care who it's against i don't care who you're playing you have to go in and handle business because every time while you're playing on that court there's another game going on somewhere else in the conference that could be go- that could affect your standings in any way so you might as well handle business right now and try and keep as much of your own destiny in your hands as possible the fact of how close this standing these standings are is amazing. And again, even the top, because South St. Thomas is only seven is seven and oh, but Southeastern is seven and one. So that's why I said that matchup in a week's time is gonna be very, very important. I think the fact that every game is gonna matter, no, even though the Bobcats have dominated the conference up to this point, I think that's the biggest overall storyline. The fact that every team still has a chance to move up or move down come conference playtime. Yeah, it is a wild, wild uh situation in the standings as you just kind of went over in a very fun one as we head down the final stretch but mr manny burrows pleasure as always everybody listening thank you for tuning in love all y'all of course and hey have a wonderful weekend and enjoy all the sun conference action